Hello there. I'm your host, Lauren Lapid, a 22-year-old from the suburbs of Southern California, a recent-ish college graduate, and now still a fresh New Yorker, just trying to adult in this crazy post-college life. You're listening to Rookies in the Real World, and in today's episode focused on adulting, Nestle Mitchell, host of the Not My Problem podcast, and I are going to unpack the nuances of microaggressions. It's Rookies in the Real World, whoa, with Lauren Lapid as your host. It's time for real talk on becoming an adult. Welcome to Rookies in the Real World, episode 15. To any new listeners, thanks so much for joining the Rookie Gang. To my returning listeners, welcome back. And if things sound a little bit different today, it's because this is the first episode that I'm recording being back in New York City. So I'm back to my original gear and I'm excited to just like relearn everything and get back in the swing of it all. But on to the episode, the important stuff. Today's episode is super, super important to me, and I wanted to cover this specific topic for several reasons. First off, Black Lives Matter. You all know how much I advocate for this movement, and I'm so proud to see how big of waves we've already made, but there's still work to be done, and we'll get back to that. But kind of like another catalyst for this episode also came from experiences that I've had the last, like, Honestly, a few months at my workplace the last few weeks have been a little crazy. If you recall in episode 11, I mentioned Adam Rappaport and condemned his brown face image. I and many other Condé Nast employees have spoken out about unfair treatment in the workplace. However, I do feel like most consequences are only dished out like based on blatant and very obvious racism, which I mean is great. Like I'm glad people are speaking out and are no longer tolerating this behavior. However, going back to Black Lives Matter and the work left to be done, there are still generations of both systemic and systematic racism that need to be dismantled. And beyond the big racism scandals like blackface and brownface that make it in the news, people are enduring microaggressions every single day. And now tying back to my workplace to, you know, come full circle on this, more and more people are starting to address microaggressions. And for that, I'm incredibly thankful. Thinking back on my year at Condé, I feel fortunate in that I've been in a team that is, that is incredibly ethnically diverse and accepting, and I've never felt a microaggression regarding race um, at my work. But I know that isn't the same for many of my po- colleagues and friends. And I mean, I've still experienced microaggressions, just like not on the fact that I'm Asian. But really throughout the course of my own life, though, as an Asian American, I have oftentimes kept my mouth shut and accepted certain treatment because I quote unquote felt lucky to be here or because that was just the way that it was. And I honestly didn't even know what my progressions were until my sophomore year of college when I had some batshit crazy white roommates. <laughs> um, that's like a story for another Wine Wednesday. And I'm but I'm sure like I'm not the only one who didn't really know what a microaggression was, right? And if you aren't 100% sure what a microaggression is, we've got you to any of my non-BIPOC listeners. I really hope you continue listening. Even if you may not be on the receiving end of these microaggressions, you may unintentionally 
find yourself initiating a microaggression. And I'm not saying you're a bad person. I'm not innocent either. I'm sure I've been guilty of it as well, which is why this type of education and real talk is so, so important. So I hope you guys stay along for the ride. Share it with someone you think should listen because it's going to be a good one because our guest today is freaking phenomenal. I am so stoked she's on today's pod. I'm like smiling so big. Welcome, Nestle Mitchell. Nestle is the fearless, hilarious host of her podcast called Not My Problem. And she is not only my podcast BFF, but she's also a member of the BIPOC community as well. And her weekly podcast gives real, unfiltered, no bullshit talks, like truly, truly, you guys need to listen. I love it. And I find it so refreshing and needed these days. And when she isn't podcasting, she is doing some really big girl work as a business systems analyst at a Fortune 500 tech company snaps to her or she's probably cracking open a White Claw. So everybody say hi to Nestle. Hi, Nestle. Hi, Lauren. Thank you so much for that intro. (laughs) I could not stop smiling. Oh my gosh. I'm like taking a sip of my rosé and I'm just like, cheers to you, Nestle. Let's just do a quick cheers while we're there. cheers. And yeah, thank you for coming on. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you as we bring two different POC experiences um, and two different perspectives from like the coasts as well, because you're from the East Coast. I'm from the West Coast. So I think that this will be really fun. Yeah, it will be very interesting to hear our, I think we'll be similar in a lot of ways, but there will definitely be instances Mm -hmm. where we differ on our experiences. So I think it's a very like great conversation to have. So I'm lucky for you to have invited me to have this discussion. I'm super excited. I love you. I'm so excited. (laughs) We're going to wake some people up today. (laughs) Yeah, we are. We're about to call some behavior out and it's going to be great. So to start, I want to do a little a little bit of an icebreaker with you. So this isn't much of a this okay, this is like not like a fun icebreaker question, but how would like you describe microaggressions? Okay, so I came up with a very great definition of how I would describe a microaggression. And I would describe it as a microaggression is similar to a backhanded compliment. It's almost Mm. if they're it's almost as if they were trying to give you a compliment, but then they kind of just fuck up in the process because yep. <laughs> because their prejudices <laughs> and assumptions just show through the nice thing that they say, and now it's no longer a nice thing. You just insulted me. Thank you. Exactly. Yeah. So what is like the most common microaggression you've received in your life thus far? It is either hands down probably you sound white or you're pretty for a black girl. Those are like the top two. God, I fucking hate that. Oh, what? Okay. So what is the most absurd, like biggest eye roll microaggression you've got so far? So for me, this like really, really grinds my gears. Nestle, people will be like, oh my gosh, but you're like not really Asian. Like you're super whitewashed. And I'm like, okay, first off, what do you mean by not really Asian? Like the Philippines, like, yes, we're like islands, but we're, we're in Asia. But also just because I was born in America, and like don't have an accent doesn't mean I'm like white. You know, I don't know. It's just like weird. As if like being Asian is bad. They're like, oh, but you're not really Asian. And I'm like, right. like what is your thing. assumption on Asian people for you to say, like, oh, you're not really Asian? Like, I don't get it. For me, I think my biggest eye roll is when it's the summertime and the white people get their tans. And then I've heard <laughs> things like, oh my God, we're like basically the same skin tone. I'm like, girl, <gasps> girly, what? No. 
Oh, that oh, that just like made me really uncomfortable. I hate that that happened to you. I'm sorry. Oh. And there's like no there's no way to navigate that. I just like give no. them a blank stare and like awkwardly laugh and then I just like it's try like that, to like, not. It's like white guy blinking meme just like what? Like what was that? <laughs> Literally the meme. I know we've kind of already described it, but just to make everybody be on the same page before we really dive in, according to dictionary.com, lol, um, a microaggression is a statement, action, or incident regarded as an instance of indirect, subtle, or unintentional discrimination against members of a marginalized group, such as a racial or ethnic minority. So what exactly does that mean? I'm going to link a really great video that Vox did, but... Fox really broke it down really well. I mean, microaggressions are based on some of the same core ideas about people who are marginalized in America. For example, like it's kind of built around ideas that this, these people aren't smart or that they like don't belong. And microaggressions are different from being like overtly racist, sexist or homophobic because they don't typically have like negative intent or hostility behind them. So like that's the difference, right? It's a microaggression because they don't mean to offend you. They just don't realize that what they're saying is offensive. They're just ordinary folks who experience themselves as like good, moral, decent human beings. And so these microaggressions occur because they're outside of like the level of conscious awareness of the perpetrator, meaning we just like as like shitty as it is, like brown people shouldn't have to educate white people, but it comes down to education, right? And so I think that a person of color, as a person of color, the tough things with microaggressions for me are that they come from people oftentimes that we love and respect. So we feel like our taking offense might be like overreacting, but that isn't the case at all. Like it's, it's a microaggression. It's fucked up. I don't know. What do you think, Nestle? No, I think it's you're completely right. A lot of the times with microaggressions, like nine times out of 10, they come across as nice. Like they, they are quote unquote nice things that people are meaning to say, but they don't realize that their prejudice or their negative connotations about racism or ethnicities or genders come through and shine through through this quote quote unquote like compliment that they think they're giving mm-hmm. you and it, it is a different difficult way to navigate it because I don't ever want to feel like I have to educate um, another individual especially mm-hmm. like a white person but at the same time I'm like I can't just let you continue to say yeah wild things 100 percent 2020 has been a wild fucking year and we're cutting this shit out now but that's before we canceled. dive into 2020 is canceled, like truly. But before we dive into examples of microaggressions, because I know for a lot of people this might seem like an like an abstract topic. So we're gonna give you some examples how we feel as people of color and how people of color should respond. Um, but before that, let's just generally explain a rule of thumb for how to respond. I feel like it's easy to kind of get like offended and want to lash out. So I feel like staying calm and assessing the situation is so important because by immediately calling someone like a racist or a sexist, like they're immediately going to shut down because they don't see themselves as either of those things because they don't realize that their actions are hurtful. So yeah, you just, it's like shitty because like you, you shouldn't shame them or blame them. It's just expressing your feelings and educating them on how their actions were wrong. No, I completely agree. And I think that if someone's taking the time out to address a microaggression and how it made you feel, I think it's important to know that that person 
thinks that you are socially competent enough to be able to accept yes. the, the criticism and the critique and be a better person. Because if I know that you are a helpless human being and there's no saving you, I'm not <laughs> going to waste my time trying to educate you. That's so true. Like like the racist like fucks on Twitter that just like spew racist shit. I'm not going to waste my breath trying to explain microaggressions to them because they're not they're not going to get it and they're racist. You know, like there's a difference here. But Nestle linked this really, really, really great resource, uh, Dr. Nadal's toolkit called The Guide to Responding to Microaggressions. So do you want to run through those five questions you should ask yourself before you respond? Yes. So uh, it's called The Guide to Responding to Microaggressions. And it's five questions that I think if you feel inclined to address it, then I think you should go through these questions and kind of like decide Mm -hmm. whether or not it's quote unquote like worth your time. So the first response and question to ask yourself is this could this be a danger to my physical safety and I think that's a very important question because there could Mm -hmm. be some scenarios that you could put yourself in physical danger you never want to do that so make sure you are safe the second question is will the person become defensive and will this lead to an argument and I think Mm -hmm. that this person this can be taken in two ways because it could be they could get defensive and they could become angry but is it an opportunity for it to still have a reasonable outcome at the end like will they get angry at first mm-hmm. but but eventually turn around or will this just be like yeah. a volatile environment and if it's just mm-hmm. going to be volatile then like yeah I, I personally just wouldn't do it but like you know mm-hmm. you do you third one is will this affect my relationship with this person and again that is assessing what who this person is in your life, what role they play. So in an instance where it's a workplace and you could create a toxic work environment, and yes, there's HR and all these tools to try to navigate Mm -hmm. through that, but we all know that sometimes it's hard to navigate working with someone and then also like correcting a behavior that they have on a day-to-day basis. Mm -hmm. The fourth question is, will I regret not saying something, which is a question that I think a lot of us go through where we wonder, is is this person just going to continue this behavior and have other people be impacted by their microaggressions Mm -hmm. or their like overt racism if I don't say anything? So I I feel it. I would say personally, I feel it like half and half. I think there will be times where I wish I would have said something, but at the same time, I knew that the answers to the above questions were not worth yeah. worth it. Mm-hmm. And then the last question is, does this does that convey that I accept their behavior or statement, which goes along with everything above? Like just because you mm-hmm. didn't say anything. I don't think it necessarily means that you accept their behavior. You just made the executive decision to tell yourself that this is not something that you want to address because it doesn't benefit you. And so for your mental well-being, I think it's just important to figure that out and make that decision for yourself. Totally, totally agree. It's like unfortunate as it is, like sometimes you kind of just got to pick your battles. And that's like an important thing to realize, like not every battle you have to fight. So with that, I'm going to pull some examples of microaggressions that I found from various articles by CNN, BuzzFeed, and the APA. So the first one, Nestle's taking like a big chug of her white claw Let me take another one, actually. (laughs) Yeah, I'm about to take a big – this isn't even a wine Wednesday, and I'm like going through this wine like it's a water. But okay, the first microaggression – 
you're so articulate, or you don't sound black, or your English is really good for an Asian. How do we feel, Nestle? How how do we feel? So I think this goes back to my initial definition of a microaggression. It sounds like a compliment, but it's offensive. It's incredibly offensive. The, the As soon as it utters your mouth, I'm already annoyed by your existence. Yes. yes. And, <laughs> and expanding upon that, I think it's, it's like, it makes it seem like people of color and more specifically black people, because I do get the, mm-hmm. you don't sound black or you're so articulate. Yeah. Does that mean I, I can't speak English? Like, what are you, what are you trying to tell me? Mm-hmm. And I think it implies that they didn't expect to hear intelligence coming from a person of color, coming Ugh, from a black I person. Know. And that I, because I didn't, fit into this white person's stereotype that therefore mm-hmm. like I surprised them and they're like, oh wow, really? Just like, ew, yuck. Just so, so fucking annoying. I, I completely echo Nestle's statement. I mean, English was literally my first language. My Tagalog, which is the main language in the Philippines, it's it's super broken. Like it's I can't speak it well. So it's just like a backhanded compliment. I I was born here, but also just because you know, like I, I look Asian or like I intrins I am Asian, like that's just who I am. Doesn't mean you should automatically assume that I'm not from America or that I, I can't speak English, you know? Like again, it, it's just it's like you're treating the stereotypes that generations of white people have upheld as like the canon of reality and like, sorry, it's twenty twenty, like that's just not how the world works. Like that's just not true. So moving on to how to respond, I feel like I the, So the way that I've said it before, because I have gotten this before, it's just like, wow, like, thanks, but like, also, yikes, like, I, I don't think it's okay that you assume that just because I'm Asian, I wouldn't have spoken good English, like, please, like, moving forward, don't make assumptions based on how people like me look. No, I completely agree. And I think with all of these um, microaggressions that we're going to go through, I do want to keep in mind that this these are instances where you feel inclined to respond. Because mm-hmm. I would say that some of the uh, microaggressions that we're going to talk about today, I would say probably 75% of them I don't actually address. Um, and I, mm-hmm. I probably should, but I think it's a, a pick and choose your battles type of situation. But for this yeah. particular one, I, I'll be honest, I usually don't correct it um, unless mm-hmm. it's on someone says something wild on a dating app like that's when I like because I'm like super bold I'm like yeah no we're good it's over (laughs) like before I unnaturally let me let me educate you so my initial response (laughs) to this is I usually tell people that it connects to a larger history of people being surprised that black people or people of color color Mm -hmm. can't speak well that they can't speak English because they weren't born here even though nine times out of ten people were born here it's just you just assume Mm -hmm. that people weren't born here just because they're not white I don't understand Uh, okay this microaggression I feel like People don't realize this is a microaggression, but it is when people say white privilege doesn't exist. <sighs> I wish you guys first could see off, my face it, it because. Does. <laughs> yeah, like uh, first off, it does exist. But um, I mean, Nestle, what's your take on this? <laughs> oh, my gosh. I, I just I just can't wrap my head around this concept. But how it makes me feel, I think that it makes me feel that – People need to realize that racial privilege shows up in a lot of different forms. Just because mm-hmm. you're white doesn't mean that you didn't have a hard time with life. And I think that's like a common excuse. They're always like, I struggled too. Mm-hmm. 
I had these things happen Ugh. to me too. And I'm just like, I struggle too. I'm like, nobody is like taking that away from you. But <laughs> white privilege also means not having to stress about whether you wear your hair a certain way at work or if your name mm-hmm. will not like get you called back on an interview. This is why people name yes. their children white sounding names so they can 100%. get interviews. It's, oh my gosh. Oh, I roll. I can't. No, I, I completely agree. I mean, there are so, so many studies about how having an ethnic-sounding name can hurt your chances of getting a job interview. And if you're white, you're less likely to get approached by cops. Like, there are just so many factors that white people don't have to think about in their everyday lives that POCs oftentimes do. So it is upsetting when people can't admit that the statement is true. And as we're going through this, Nestle, I'm realizing that this how to respond, I feel like in a way – the section is just us educating non like POCs on right. like what's 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 the tea like what's really going on. So I feel like my how to respond for here. First off, I'm linking like a insane amount of resources in the show. I'm a whore for good show notes, friends. But education, education, education. Sometimes you just need to remind someone to check their privilege. Like my ex-boyfriend, not my college boyfriend, my most recent ex was one of those people that would say like white privilege doesn't exist. And he watches my story like the second I put it up. And I have been linking so many like fun little Instagram graphics about like white privilege explainers in hopes that maybe he'll fucking read it. You know what I mean? So that's the tea there. Nestle, how are you feeling? Lauren, I have a lot of questions. My first question is why would you even date someone who believes white privilege isn't a thing? (laughs) I I guess white privilege not existing is just a fucking lie. So think about all the experiences that POCs go through and ask yourself if you've had to go through those things. All right. This this microaggression. I've heard this a lot. It's, I feel like this is one of the most common ones. Yeah, we're both chugging our drinks like perfusedly right now. Okay. I'm not racist. I have a like insert token minority here, friend. Okay, here we go. Let me go off. Okay. So go I, off, sis. Go. I, I wrote my response word for word because I knew I needed to get my point across because mm-hmm. this is a very annoying this is the most mm-hmm. annoying thing that I hear all the time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. This statement attempts to equate racism with prejudice. Prejudice is an attempt based on stereotypes. Racism, racism entails the policies and practices that uphold ideas of white people as superior and black people or people of color as inferior. Mm-hmm. You may not be racially prejudiced, but knowing black people doesn't keep you from engaging in discriminatory behaviors or failing to challenge racist practices. So just because you have a black friend does not mean you're not racist. And that's the T. That's the tweet. Send. Send tweet. Also, okay, I'm going to say it, but just because you have a black friend does not mean you're entitled to use the N-word. I see that a lot on social media and it grinds my bones like cut that shit out please okay can, can i just inter- interject yes that go, is actually go. A good point. so i i have one of my my good friends emily i hope you're listening to this i'm gonna send her i'm just gonna send her the link to make her listen to it she had um <laughs> her ex-boyfriend had like a group of friends and there was like one black guy who's super super conservative i really don't know what, what went wrong in society i'm just confused um so he was super conservative like was pro-trump and would like actively try to get oh. emily a white woman to say the n-word because he was fine no, with what? his white oh, friends so itchy oh that's so uncomfortable he was so fine he was like perfectly fine with his white friend saying the n-word so he was he was like trying to encourage her like go ahead say it go ahead say it and she's like no i'm not gonna say it not because you're telling me it's okay to say it but but because i'm not going to say it because that's not something that should utter my mouth yes 
Oh, <sighs> yeah. Thank God your your white friend was woke as hell. You go, Emily. You go, but, Emily. Big fan. Yeah. The whole, like, I have a blank friend, like, I'm not racist, is, is so fucking tokenizing. And, I mean, I went to school in Virginia. I was oftentimes the only Asian girl in the room. And, like, just because you have an Asian friend or a black friend doesn't mean you're making – doesn't mean you're not making judgments about them based on race. And this has happened to me so many times with, like, groups of guys that are, like – where, like, people would, like, joke around and be, like, oh, you only ever date, like, white girls. Like, you're only into white girls. I'll be, like, oh, no, but, like, I think Lauren's hot. Like, I'm not racist. Like, I like, like I would hook up with Lauren and I'm, like – Am I supposed Ew, first to, like, off, feel inclined to, right? like, now like, first you? off, first off, in what fucking world would I fuck you after you've uttered those words from your mouth? But second, just because you find someone attractive, like, think about your actions, right? Have you actively tried to date someone of another ethnicity? Have you ever thought about, like, seriously date? You know, it's just, like, just because you see somebody and, like, you recognize them and you, like, get along with them, it, it doesn't mean you're not being racist. You know, like, it's not – you don't get, like, a hall pass for racism because you have a bunch of, like, POC friends. So cut that shit out. People really believe that's the case, too, and it's actually insane. No, it's it's excuses. So, Nestle, how would you respond to this situation? <sighs> I would proceed to go off on them and probably tell them that <laughs> they are – completely blind to life and I was also (laughs) saying that you can't be friends with one actually backspace let me repeat my sentence my response would be saying you can't be racist is denying the larger social context in which all of us are living it's not about Mm -hmm. individual intentions or biases so you could be friends with one person and and still claim that you're not racist that's not true it's it's about collective work. It's about acknowledging everything that's yes, going around, work. Mm-hmm. not just your one black friend. That means you're not racist. Like, th- does that even make it make sense? Please. Yeah. No, I agree. I mean, again, having an ethnically like diverse group of friends does not wipe you of racism. Think about your actions here. Like, you need to dig deep and do a lot of self reflection, especially because I feel like the types of people that say this, that like, that really use this microaggression, are the type of people that need to like really think about it and check themselves here. This, oh, this, this next microaggression. Nestle's about to kill this white claw. Oh, she did it. Okay. You're really pretty, dot, 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 for like a dark skinned girl. Or for me, your eyes are really big for an Asian. <laughs> I'm drinking. Wow. Nestle, you go. It's my turn to chug. Okay, go for it. So, I, my initial thoughts is telling someone that they are attractive for their race. Like, mm-hmm. please just mm-hmm. take a moment to realize how stupid that sounds. Like, come on. Are you serious? And now that we're going into this, now let's talk about how it affirms a belief that there is something fundamentally fundamentally mm-hmm. wrong with being a person of color and further perpetuates the notion that there are, are others and you're othering them because, yeah. oh, they are the person that's like like the exception to the rule. Like, oh, I'm pretty for a black girl. Oh, All black girls are pretty. That. Like, let's talk about that. What's wrong with you? So, and then there's this notion that Simply because we're not a white woman, we are we aren't attractive. Like what? Mm-hmm. Are, what are you saying? Well, <laughs> yeah. Like think think about think about all of the implications you are making with that statement. It's such a backhanded compliment because no matter what ethnic makeup you are, everyone comes in all different shapes and sizes. No one should be generalized. Like that that isn't how this works. And it again ties a compliment to a constraint, which is fucked up. 
So, you know, how are we how do we respond to this? Cuz this is something that truly grinds my gears and I see it so often on dating apps and it really it really angers me. So, this is one of the the ones that I will go go off on. I I won't yes. let it just like go by. I won't not say anything. So, if you say it, if you overhear someone say it, correct that shit because it's not okay. Mm-hmm. Because we need to let people know that this offensive behavior is no longer tolerated or it shouldn't have ever been tolerated but here we are in 2020 um and encourage them to change their behavior and just like my my favorite thing is asking them to repeat themselves and if they say like again they usually don't say it again because after the first time they really they're like oh they're like ooh, that's, that's probably not like not well. it and i'm just like yeah now now it's time for me to take the time to tell you that you're a fucked up person so congrats mm-hmm. I agree with Nestle here. You need to call that behavior out. This is one of the times where I I don't care who's saying it. I will go off because that just isn't okay. Ooh, okay. Okay. We're, we're a little heated. We're a little heated. But the next one, the next one is also a little – all of these are pretty fucked. But this one also annoys me. Your credit to your race. I – we don't need to beat a dead horse here. I just am like, you need to, we need to stop tying compliments to just false expectations that have roots in systematic racism. No, I completely agree. And I, I think this is very similar to a lot of them. Like you're assigning intelligence, you're assigning someone's success to a one person of color. Or for me, it would be the same instance where people are surprised that I am educated mm-hmm. because they just think mm-hmm. people of color are, are like not educated and that's just wrong and then for like asians they'll say things like oh you're like really good at math like you're you're good at math because you're asian i'm just like huh y'all i'm not good at math <laughs> y'all i'm not good at math i'm sorry i like really defeat the stereotype here but like you know again it's just like we need to remind people that assigning intelligence based on race and expectations and stereotypes from that race just it isn't okay because in doing so like you are guilty of perpetuating a narrative that white people have led exactly we need to break that because it's ridiculous this one is another thing that i don't think a lot of people recognize as a microaggression but it is and I, I really don't want my white friends to think I'm calling them out here because this isn't about offending you. This isn't about saying you're a bad person. This is just something I hear a lot that I don't think a lot of people put into perspective on America today. But it's the statement that everyone can succeed in society if they work hard enough. Okay. Before I, before I explain my feelings – I, I I think we need to assess the fact that us as people of color feel inclined to apologize for their white yes. counterparts. And you're, you did it just now. And I, but I think it's a great learning experience. Like as a microaggression, mm-hmm. we know that we know it's not meant to be offensive. Like that's the whole purpose of a microaggression. And for this particular mm-hmm. statement, like, yes, we know that deep down the white people probably like don't mean it to be an offensive behavior, yeah. but they also have to be hyper aware of the thing, this, this phrase coming out of their mouth and how it comes across as saying or insinuating that people of color are lazy and or incompetent and that they mm-hmm. need to work harder. It completely disregards Ugh. 
institutional racism, systemic racism, systematic racism, like racism across the board. It completely disregards that because it's the same for me. It's the same thing as like all lives matter. Like, yes, Uh. it's just like it's a correct statement that nobody is going to disagree with, but it completely misses the entire point. Mm -hmm. I agree. Yeah, I mean, I I really, really hate this. And I mean, I'm going to echo a lot of what Nestle said, but like, here's an example of systemic racism. White people hold 90% of the national wealth in America. 90%. Like, let's put that into perspective. 90%. POCs, immigrants or not, don't historically have that historic security that white people do. So yes, we can work really fucking hard, but at what cost? How much more effort do we have to put in to be at like the same bare minimum like of a playing field if we could even level the playing field? And a good example, public school versus private school, right? Private schools have so many endowment funds, right? Like hundreds of years for like schools that are super old, like Penn or like USC, hundreds of years of invested money, donor money that they have been sitting on, right? And then you have newer public schools that don't have that historic amount of wealth. Think about the two different people, the two kinds of people that go to a newer public school like city colleges versus private schools with tons and tons of endowment funds. Just think about that, okay? Like having a historic amount of money to back you up, in addition to being like white and having white privilege, it makes a huge difference. So I think this is – I always call this out because I think it's a solid opportunity to educate on systemic and and systematic racism. Yes, they're two different things. I'll be linking solid explainer videos in the show notes. Thank you. (laughs) Of course. It's just, well, I get heated. No, I completely agree. And I think, like, this is also another topic that I will always address and always try to counteract because I do think, well, it depends on the person. If I think it's a learning opportunity, Mm -hmm. I will take the time to educate them. But if it's someone who probably won't learn, I'm still going to tell them, but I won't, like, put the extra effort into educating them. Of course. But the analogy that I think is very simple because nowadays I feel as though analogies are what's getting people to realize that the things that they say are like messed up because who knew it would take – who knew it would take a fire truck analogy for people to realize that all lives – fucking – okay, can we take a minute? A fucking course. It's a fire truck analogy that white people (laughs) – that is a microaggression and I'm fully joking, guys. But like, come on. Like it took a my it took a fire truck <laughs> analogy for people to realize that Black Lives Matter and All Lives Matter are two different are things. Different things. Oh my gosh! So <laughs> so to take this back down to like grade school level, we'll do we'll do a race. This is the same as white people getting 200 years of a head start on the race and that yes. all of the other races are playing catch up. Yes, they have to work hard and they probably are working hard to get where they need to be, but oh, they yeah. don't have the 200 year head start. And that's that's it. That's the difference. That, that's it. There you go. Mic drop. All right. Okay. This one, I'm going to take a little sippy sip because I get this quite quite a bit. Okay, you go off because I don't experience this. Like, I don't think I've ever really experienced this. So you go off, sis. (laughs) So when someone says, where are you really from? Okay, y'all, 
Here we go. If I had a dollar for every time someone asked me this, I could be living such a cushy fucking life. Like, but I hate it. I hate it because here's the thing. I'm Filipino and Filipinos have been colonized by fucking everyone, right? We've been colonized by Japan. We've been colonized by Spain. We were colonized by America. So our blood is mixed as hell. So I get it. I don't look like what you think when you when most people think of Asians, they think of like East Asians. They think of Chinese people, Japanese, Korean. They don't think of somebody like me, tan and with a double eyelid. That's just the way it works. But so I get like both sides of the coin. I get Asians that are like, where are you from? I get white people that are like, are you Mexican? Are you Asian? Like, what are you? And it's really fucking annoying. Okay. So I think especially as a first gen born and raised in America, like I, I don't even have deep roots in the Philippines. I can't even pretend to relate. It's annoying because this this phrase like bakes in the assumption that just because anyone is anything other than white, fair skin, they are automatically not from America, which is so false. Can we just take a minute to white people think about your fraction? That's like a joke that like a lot of people in my high school have. But be like, yeah, like I'm a third Norwegian. I'm like a third French. And then like I think I have family from Ireland. You're fucking not from America either. The Native Americans are. So where are you really from? Let's let's turn that narrative. Where are you from, Karen? But they're not ready for that combo. Res- they're not. No, they're really not. Well, baby steps, baby steps. But how to respond? I typically this is maybe this is petty of me, but I like to like mind fuck a person when they repeat the question. They're like, "Where are you? Where are you from?" And I'm like, "Oh, like I'm from LA." And they're like, "No, no, no. Like, where are you really from?" And I'm like, oh, "Okay, so like I'm from North Orange County, South LA." And then like they ask again, and I'm like, "Oh, I'm from Fullerton. I was born in La Habra." And then I go, "Oh, but my parents are from the Philippines." And then that usually shuts a person up because hopefully by then, two minutes into this conversation, they realize that like. They asked a fucked up question. But really, I mean, if you're not petty like me, you should kindly remind them that just because a person looks a certain way, they shouldn't assume where you're from. No, Sorry, I completely- that was that was a lot. That was a lot. <laughs> no, I completely agree. And like I I experienced this question I and probably like a handful of times mm-hmm. because people will ask me this and then I will say like I'm American. I'm 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 born. Yeah. I was born and raised in Harlem, but I live in Atlanta yeah. now. <laughs> like, is that what you want me to tell you? Right. Like, is that, <laughs> like is that the answer you're looking for? Right. And then, like, there's only been one time where someone's asked me like, "What tribe I'm from?" And I'm just like, "Oh, oh, what? oh." So this is what we're doing. We're going there. Like, like, I'm I'm black, and then like they don't understand. So like African American. So like, what part of like Africa are you from? And it's like this is why we um, call ourselves black because most of us don't know, so we call ourselves yeah. black. So and so oh, I usually fuck. that's so fucked up. It's it's ridiculous. So my my response to it is I usually will like give them very similar answers to you. I'll just say like, oh, I'm from New York. Yeah. Like, oh, I moved to Georgia. Oh, what part of like what? With Burrow? Okay, we could talk about that. Do you know the you streets? You do the little mind fuck. You mess <laughs> like, with them, and then they're like too embarrassed to say in Broadway? anything. Like how how Ooh, like much okay. detail do we want to do? <laughs> right, like it was the walk up across from the deli. Like I don't know. This is a lot of details. Oh god. But really, so, yeah, I I think you just don't fucking ask. Like, just don't ask that. That's like, it's mind your business. And that's my one thing. Like, if unless this came up organically in nine times out of ten, it never does. Never does. No, please don't. I agree. Don't do it. 
the the last microaggression that we're gonna go o- go over, it isn't tied to like race, ethnicity. It's it's more gender driven. And I wanted to end this because I feel like, you know, like broader speaking, women do face a lot of microaggressions, and I don't want to ignore that, right? So, this microaggression is. I feel like a lot of people think it's outdated, but you'd be surprised how many people still get this today. You should really smile more in meetings or I think even generally speaking, just the expectation that like women need to act a certain place in the work, like certain way in the workplace. (sighs) Here we go. Okay. So I will start off by saying that I personally don't experience this just because if I'm not smiling, there is generally something wrong with me. I'm just typically like a cheery person. But I also know that- Yes, very positive energy all the time. Exactly. We love nicely. Try to do the positive vibes all the time. However, comma, I know as a black woman, people are typically- telling us that we are just like look angry like we're the angry black woman and Mm -hmm. therefore we like have to be like overly overly happy overly smiling and it's like kind of ridiculous Mm -hmm. and I think that as women and especially women of color we experience this far less than men and we are just expected to smile more because that's like the gender like societal pressure yeah it's gross it's gross no, it's it's so, 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 so gross. And it's it's really frustrating how even in today in 2020, women are held to just a different standard in the workplace because of expectations placed upon us because of our gender. If we're assertive in meetings, we're bitchy. If we have resting bitch face, which like I do, like I can't help the way my face looks, like we're seen as bitchy again. And so I think workplaces are getting better at this. But I mean, like I, I've I've been confronted because I wasn't like, super personable over like slack which is fucking i am okay it's like aol for adults wait what i'm like through email yeah because i just i like wasn't sending a bunch of emojis or like i wasn't like super peppy when i was reply i was like it's like instant messenger like how much can a woman convey through i aming i don't get it but there, there's no winning because I also was told that one time, like, I used too many excla- exclamation no, exactly. points. And- oh, yeah. Like, you had three exclamation points in your email. And I'm like, okay, so but then when I don't do that, my email is, like, cold and harsh. Like, what what do you want from me here? One. So, one exclamation point. <laughs> one. There we go. Fuck off, everybody. I don't even – I feel like this is one of the hardest to respond to, too, because it, it's a workplace thing. No, I completely agree. It's this is probably the more difficult one to respond to because navigating through a workplace scenario is extremely difficult. And I will say that if this is an instance where you feel that you are comfortable talking to the person, and this is definitely of like a pick and choose your battles type of thing. If this yeah. is like a superior, someone who can make your life a living hell, honestly, like it I, sucks. I wish I could tell you to like not just suck it up, but like ugh, unfortunately, if you're a superior yeah. listening to this knock that shit off cut yeah. it out if you're a superior knock it off but if you're someone who might be impacted by reaching out then i won't blame you for not saying anything mm-hmm. but if you do feel comfortable having that conversation i think you should express the idea that women are supposed to smile more and reinforces the idea that women should always be pleasant happy receptive and grateful and this societal norm is not yeah. beneficial in the long run and it's kind of deviating and taking away from any growth that we're having because why am I expected to smile all the time? Sometimes I'm pissed and sometimes I'm just like straight faced. I just don't like 
I don't feel happy. I don't feel joy. Sometimes, you know, yeah, I'm not having a good day. I'm just not in the mood to smile and wave at you every time you walk by my fucking desk. Like, that's just not how I roll. So I agree with Nestle. I have struggled with this comment. And I mean, like, looking back on everything, I probably shouldn't have been afraid to address the fact that I felt singled out and that none of my peers were like, you know, like, I'm like, okay, I don't think anybody else is getting called out for this. So, like, why am I? So I don't think you should be, like – Again, if you're in a place where you feel comfortable, like I don't think you should be afraid to speak out against it because who knows how many other people these superiors or your colleagues are affecting with these microaggressions, you know. But again, pick and choose your battles. It's unfortunate, but that's just the society we live in. And hopefully we'll be able to wake up one day and live in a world where that isn't the case. But for right now, 2020 has been a fuck. So, you know, it is what it is. This episode has been so incredibly woke and intense, and I am so thankful that Nestle was able to join us. She, I, I'm, I hope you guys can tell why Nestle is like my pod BFF. The two of us are like digitally inseparable. Like I am, I don't even text my parents every day. I text Nestle every day. So <laughs> it's actually like kind of crazy how like you can come across someone on the internet and they could be completely aligned with who you are as a human being, and you're like, yes. are we separated at birth? <laughs> truly just we are we're we are soulmates so this is what soulmates is but to you know every every member of the rookie gang knows we end takeaways so nestle what is the biggest piece of advice you have for anyone who is struggling to come to terms with previous microaggressive behavior I want to start off by saying that it's completely okay if you are having difficulty navigating Mm -hmm. through microaggressions. My advice would be if you find yourself the recipient of a microaggression, take a breath. That's definitely the first step in figuring out out your response and being able to decide if this is something that you actually want to do. It's really easy to get angry and lash out, especially if you're the recipient of your like 1,000th paper cut. Like this is something that you constantly hear on a day-to-day basis. Mm And then from there, decide if you want to talk with the person about what happened. And if you don't want to talk to the person about what happened, like that's perfectly okay. It may be appropriate to do it in the moment, but it may not be. It's a case-by-case basis. There's not one answer to solve everything. Um, So it's important to recognize that power dynamics do play do play a significant role, especially in the workforce, workplace, and any other instance. So I think it's okay to do whatever you think is the right course of action. So never feel like you have to say something or you mm-hmm. have to not say something. There is no right answer. If you feel comfortable, do it and just know that you're not alone in feeling that way. And that would be my biggest advice. A hundred percent agree. All right. Last takeaway. What is the biggest piece of advice you have for someone who is scared to speak up about microaggressions and fear of retaliation? Okay. Okay, so I would say to understand that it it is not your responsibility to disarm every microaggression that you experience. Mm -hmm. It can be exhausting to have to explain microaggressions each time you encounter them. Because for me, it's at least like once a day, whether it's in microaggressions are on a spectrum. It could be something like super minor or super like much of an eye roll. And being mm-hmm. able to learn to draw boundaries for what you accept, and this is probably yes. one of my biggest my biggest things in life, like determine your standards of what you will and will not accept in your life. And the same goes for this microaggressions. Determine what you will allow as well as finding support amongst allies. 
like whether it be a fellow person of color, a woman, like other people have experienced it to some degree. So finding allies and a support system to help navigate it will extremely help you in your day-to-day life. 100% agree. Oh, this was such a good episode. Thank you so, so much, Nestle. I really appreciate it. So how about you tell the Rookie Gang where we can find you? Where can you find me? Okay, so if you guys want to listen to my podcast, it is not oh, my so problem good. podcast. I highly recommend you listening to it. It's available on it everywhere where you listen to podcasts. Um, the Instagram is not my problem pod. And if you want to follow my Instagram, which is right now super filled with like helpful resources. So if you want to get woke, my Instagram story is where you should do so. <laughs> that is yes. Nestle.Mitchell. Um, Nestle like the chocolate and then Mitchell. Like I think you guys can spell. So here we go. <laughs> Yes. And again, you everybody knows I am a whore for good show notes. So everything will be linked in as the show notes. And I am so stoked. This was such a good episode. Thank you for coming on to this very pertinent adulting episode, Nestle. I really appreciate it. No problem. This episode was Chef's Kiss. I was really into chef's it. Kiss? And it's, it's going to be great. A hundred percent. Well, until next time, Rookie Gang, thank you so much. Be sure to give Nestle all of the love on social media. And if you liked today's episode, hit us with that five stars and review on Apple Podcasts and be sure to do the same for Not My Problem Pop. All right, guys. See you next week for a wine Wednesday.